This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Busy Science Focus magazine, this is Instant Genius, a bite-sized masterclass in podcast form. I'm Alice Lipscomb-Southwell, the managing editor at BBC Science Focus magazine. In this episode, I talked to marine taxonomist and ecologist Peter Davey, who's a crab expert and honorary research fellow at Queensland Museum in Australia. His new book, Crabs, A Global Natural History, is out now. In this episode, he tells us all about crab biology and behaviour. So, Peter, just to get us started, what exactly is a crab? Are they just marine spiders? Well, actually, no, they're, they're not spiders at all. There are things called spider crabs, but no relation to real spiders. Um, but they all belong to the arthropoda, the same as spiders do, which is a phylum, big phylum, and contains all the insects and everything else. So they've got a skeleton and jointed legs and things like that. But Crabs, a particular specialised group of crustaceans, and they belong to a group called the Decapoda, which is mostly all the sort of familiar crustaceans that people see and eat every day. They're the prawns, the lobsters, and Decapoda means they've got 10 legs, and, and crabs have 10 legs, although people don't think of the first pair uh, of, of claws as being legs, but, uh, but they're derived from legs. So when did crabs first evolve then? I mean, they look pretty ancient. Have they been around for a long time? Um, yeah, they have. It's still a conjecture. Um, the oldest fossils are about 180 million years ago, but genetics suggests it could be up to 220, 230 million. And some of the close relatives of crabs that they evolved from, there are fossils dating back to that time. Because the fossil records is is uh, a bit lucky whether you whether you find something or not. They started during the um, marine revolution, which was which was uh, around that middle of the period after the Great Permian extinction, and when the seas got to the point where they could lay down calcium and chemistry and everything, all the invertebrates seemed to get going, and really started to diversify and. Uh, 
and the crabs popped up then. And the, the, the big advantage for crabs at that time was that the trilobites, which had been uh, the dominant crab-like arthropod that swarmed over the bottom, they were all sort of did, did the dinosaur extinction thing at the end of the Permian. And, and so there wasn't a, a large bottom-feeding group of animals that the crabs had to compete with. So they were able to really just diversify and go for it, take over all these niches that the trilobites had, had taken over before that. So how many species of crabs are there then? Well, named, um, there's around 7,300 species, which most people wouldn't expect. There's probably another 3,000. We're probably looking at, at 10,000 species all up because there's there's still a lot being discovered and described every year. The genetics, we're looking at genetics now and not just, just, just straight morphology or obvious characteristics. And we're finding that a lot of crabs that we previously thought were common are, are actually assemblages of, of cryptic species or closely related species. So yeah, it's, it's a it's an interesting. It keeps keeps me in a job, and because <laughs> that's that's what I do. I like describing them and discovering the new ones. So, what was the biggest crab species out there that we know of? General wisdom says it's the Japanese spider crab, giant Japanese spider crab, lives off the coast of of Japan, some in semi deep water. It gets to I think nearly four meters across the. The leg span uh, weighs 19 kilograms or something like that. is very, very impressive. But there's a close runner-up in Australia, the southern southern giant crab and off the coast of Tasmania in southern southern Australia is uh, is a different shape crab. It has much smaller legs, a much um, you know tidier, but a slightly wider carapace, and it comes in at a, only about a kilo less. It's it's remarkable because its claw is is the size of a human forearm. So at the other end of the scale, then, what's the smallest crab species? Well, I like to to lay claim to describing the smallest one. I mean, other people might disagree, but my, the one I described was from a. It's called a false spider crab. Um, lives in the mud in in estuaries off North Queensland, the mangrove estuaries, and it the mature female um, is one point eight millimeters across the shell. So, so, yeah, you you know you don't you wouldn't notice it if you uh, if you weren't sieving the mud and looking hard. So. Because I've seen the pea crabs that sort of parasitise other animals, don't they? And I thought they were pretty small. But, yeah, that is absolutely minute, that size. Yeah, yeah, less than two millimetres, yeah. Perhaps one of the things crabs are best known for is their ability to regenerate lost limbs. Can they all do this? And how exactly do they do it? Yeah, well, they they, they can. Um, crabs tend to lose limbs by by being, you know, having fights or with each other or getting fish try and bite them off or they well they don't fall off rocks fall off cliffs but um they actually can if if they're in danger they can a bit like a lizard's tail they can autotomize uh, a limb and they have a very sophisticated strange um, system that that closes down the membrane where the leg is joined to the to the shell and stops the crab blood um, from leaking out. It's called hemocyanin, which is like a 
a blue blood. Essentially, once it's sealed, uh, the cells inside just go into into repair mode. And um, initially, on the on the next molt, they'll you'll see a little limb bud, which is just like a little finger sticking out, and you can often see the curled up little leg sitting inside it. And then uh, in another one or two molts, it just grows out and comes back to normal. So. It's very cool. Why is it that crabs walk sideways? Or can they walk forwards? Crabs can walk any way they like, you know. <laughs> a lot of the crabs we see um, most commonly are shore crabs. They live in burrows. And the thing about crabs is once, because crabs are different from other animals because they've their tail, like normal, a normal Decapod has a long tail, which it uses for swimming or jumping, but it it's a, it, it hampers what it can do. Um, so crabs' tail tucked in under the under the shell. So all you see is the basically the head from from above the head and thorax. So this has allowed the the crabs to take a lot of different body shapes because they haven't got a tail to worry about. So a lot of crabs that we see live in burrows. So they, instead of being longer than wide, they're often wider than long, and they can run quickly. And they want to run down a burrow, and and the quickest way is to run down sideways. So they do run sideways. But then you know, pea crabs and soldier crabs in Australia, and and decorator crabs, spider crabs, ones that live on the reef, they they will move. Whichever they don't live in holes and they they just wander around on the reef. They don't need to go sideways. While they can run, well, while the, the you know the, the they're famous for going sideways. The 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 ghost crab, one of the, the large ghost crabs, and has been measured at, at four running four meters a second sideways, <laughs> which is uh, you know that's why they're hard to catch sometimes. Yeah. So they hold the land speed record for crabs running sideways. Yeah. Uh, now, also, we think of crabs as being scavengers, and we've probably all seen them on the beach where they'll be scuttling around, eating any bits of detritus, bits of you know, shellfish that's there. But do any of them actually actively hunt? Most of them, act well, a very large number of them actively hunt. The swimming crabs, even the green European shore crab that you have um, in the UK is... Um, they will actively hunt and, and scrunch things, but the swimming crabs are very fast. They swim, can you know catch fish, and a lot of them are, are will will sit in the bottom, sit you know just under the sand, and then just pounce and grab a a, a fish as it's going by. Um, very sharp, pointed claws that you know designed to hunt. One of the really interesting things about crabs and and their food is is their claws and the claw shape is a really good indicator of what a crab will will eat. So some of them for example have got very strong powerful claws for crunching up mollusk shells and some of them have got very fine sharp teeth for for being predators. Some of them have got scraping things for for getting algae off rocks or coral, and some of them have got scooped ones for putting the sand into their mud into their mouths. 
So um, you can often look at a crab's claws and tell what it's what it eats um, roughly. But having said that, if there's a nice bit of stuff to scavenge, most crabs will scavenge it. Yeah. I mean, in the UK, I don't know if it's the same over there in Australia for you, but quite often you'll see children at the seaside and they'll be fishing for crabs using little bits of bacon because apparently the crabs love bacon and they'll come and like grab hold of it and have a nibble and then sort of throw them back. <laughs> crabs have little, they have two pairs of antennae, the first pair called antennules and they, they have for chemoreception and detecting scents in the water. Some species can be incredibly... Um, sensitive to taste of well bacon is nice and pungent um but you know the, they could detect a bit of muscle meat in about you know 20 olympic swimming pools <laughs> you know it's it, they're really switched on to uh to to coming into something that's tasty so speaking again about those claws, and you said they've all got different claw shapes, and from that we can tell what they eat. Why is it that a lot of crabs have one front claw that's bigger than the other? Um, it's various reasons. They don't all. Some have um, same same sort of on both. It's called heterochely. So, for example, the box crab, which is uh, one you don't get in Europe, but it's it specialises in eating um, gastropod snail shells. So. On one claw, it's got a little peg-like hook, which it hooks into the aperture of the snail and then gradually breaks away the aperture till it gets down to the to the animal. And, and the other claw is, is much finer and has much sharper, longer pointed fingers, which it uses to reach in to get pull the, the meat out of the shell. So there's, there's good functional reasons sometimes like that. There's also males often have a one very large claw and that can be for, for fighting, for displaying to the females that, that they're, uh, they're handsome. And in, in many crabs, uh, they'll, they'll actually, before mating, they'll hold the female with, with one large claw so that it can't get away. So it's like an embrace or a hug. So you said there that the crabs can communicate with each other with by you know using that claw to show off that hey I'm a big man I'm you know I'm handsome, but are there other ways that crabs can communicate with each other? Yeah, there there are. Um, I mean, not all crabs do that we know. The most common one, and it's quite widespread amongst quite a few different groups, is 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 called stridulation, which is which is what cicadas and crickets and things do, where they where they rub one body part against another to make a distinctive sound. So that's, and, and, and that's, you know, it can be rubbing the claw against the other claw or it can be rubbing it, rubbing a, a side of its wrist against, the, against the, the eye socket or, you know, it can take many different forms. Um, it's evolved in different ways, in different, different species they've recently discovered more more remarkably that when when crabs eat they have a what's called a gastric mill in the in the in the stomach which is a central plate with two side plates that that grind the food uh, as it's fed in um, and mulch it up so they've they've recently found a number of different groups that actually make stomach growls and they communicate with growling from their stomachs so it's almost a vocalization and they can convey quite 
a lot of information. Like there's one one group that, depending on the the deepness of its voice, um, other crabs will know how big it is, and and they'll know that it's discovered some some food, and they'll know where it is, so they can come in. And yeah, it's it's really quite quite complex and unexpected. So on a similar note, how smart are crabs? Do we know anything about their intelligence? We haven't really realised how smart they are up until fairly recent times. I think it varies a lot. You know, some crabs are smarter than others. There's been some experiments done in the UK relatively recently of the green shore crab, and they put it in a in a maze, like a pretty much like a, a mouse or a rat maze um, that they use for for experimenting and they put some quite a complicated maze and they put a bit of muscle clam at the end of the of the maze and once a week they would put the crabs in and the initially it took them a long time to get to the end and but every time they put them in they'd get quicker and quicker until they learned to go straight there they then took them out and let them uh, have a rest for a few weeks and um Put them back in, no food there. Put them back into the maze, and they they went unerringly straight to to where the the food should have been. So they can work out how to get through a complex maze, and they can remember for at least weeks at a time how to how to get there and with an anticipation rather than a than a than a, in something. You know, they they're not even smelling it. So that's pretty smart, and I think. They've they've started to work out that that crabs intertidal a number of intertidal crabs have a um, good intelligence and geographic topographic mapping of their environment so that they can you know they can work out where the predators are and under which rocks the octopus lives and work out their environment quite with quite sophisticated ways so yeah they're shouldn't underestimate them. Now, you touched on this before when you said that the male will guard the female when they're mating. Now, the mating habits in crabs are quite interesting because as well as the male guarding the female, the female will also hold on to the eggs until they hatch, which I think is quite surprising because we think of crabs being invertebrates as the sort of animals that will just broadcast spawn, they'll just send their eggs and sperm everywhere. But there's actually quite a lot of care going on there, isn't there? Ah, well... They mate. They're much like much like uh, other animals. Um, they have a pair. Of, the males have a pair of um, what are called gonopods, which are actually modified swimmerettes, which are you know the sorts of things you see on a prawn. And they they have a pair of these under the under their abdomen, and they are inserted into the females a pair of receptacles on the females underneath on her thorax. So they they have some quite complex um, behaviour um, mating behaviours. They often will only mate when the female has just molted, so she's soft, and they can detect when the female's going to molt before she does it must be some pheromones or something or hormones in the water and they will they will find the female that's going to molt and they will as i said before they'll they'll give her a hug and wrap her wrap her up until she molts and then they'll roll her over and you know like a missionary style um, mating happens 
where the, the male abdomen with its gonopods is inserted down under her wider flap. So it's, uh, and she benefits because I think he's protecting her from, from predators too, uh, while, while they're vulnerable through their mating. So that's the that's the sort of physical process. Um, as she lays her eggs, they're inseminated by the by the sperm that he's he's deposited, and then they develop under the abdomen as eggs, which she tends and looks after. I mean, I think that's quite surprising because I think generally people assume that invertebrates it's all external spawning, and then they'll just sort of dump the eggs and leave them but there's quite a lot of I suppose that's quite a quite a lot of care going into that almost isn't it with the female keeping hold of them um it's quite an interesting sort of procedure really and it's one of the one of the specialties that crabs um, particularly have evolved um is actually there's 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 various lineages of of crabs um and the more advanced the more evolutionarily advanced crabs that have what basically turned the mating into internal fertilization, which is um, so they're not just scattering things around. They're not wasting wasting their energy like a lot of invertebrates by just letting them go into the plankton and and running the running the, the risk that you know they'll be wasted. So um, so it's been an interesting from an, studying the evolution of crabs and and seeing that process change from the primitive crabs into the more advanced ones has been a really uh, important discovery in in crab under, in understanding crab evolution and it gets more important more interesting than that because some species actually have quite remarkable um, maternal care with some some females will actually tend to brood and and even like in in rainforests they'll lay the eggs into little leaf axles or water pools and bromeliads and and they'll protect protect the uh, the growing little crabs and keep the keep the mayflies or the dragonflies away or the spiders or and they'll put calcium. You know, they'll put little shells in the water to make it more calcium rich and, you know, they they quite extraordinary behaviour in, in looking after their uh, their offspring. So once those eggs hatch out, what do the baby crabs look like? Are they a larva or are they like tiny little versions of the adults? No, they look nothing like the adults. They're um there's a lot of different strategies. It's sort of classic what they call R and K selection. So some crabs will produce only a few large eggs and spend a lot of energy looking after them for their survival. Others will produce a million millions of eggs and send them on their way into the plankton. Typically, they will progress from maybe up up to five, six, seven larval stages where they just keep molting. So the classic st- scenario is the the eggs will will hatch into into their first larva. They go up into the plankton. They they eat phytoplankton or the you know the plant plankton and and as they grow they they eat other larvae from other um, invertebrates and and each each larval molt changes. They they change slightly. But they still look much the same until till the last stage, which is 
called the megalopa, which is the last larval stage where the where the where it drops out of the plankton onto the bottom, and that looks sort of halfway between a, a larva and a small crab, and that starts to feed on the bottom and then molts into into a juvenile crab, the first crab stage, which looks fairly much like the adult. So, so how long do crabs live for then? Probably the shortest lifespan. Some of the small crabs might live for less than a year. A lot of the commercial crabs might reach maturity within a couple of years, three, two or three years. Depends on where they are, how cold the water is, um, how much food there is and seasonal things like that. The longest, well, the Japanese spider crab, the, the giant spider crab, is reputed to live uh, up to 100 years old. I'm not sure if that's been proven, but it's uh, it seems quite possible. They have two different strategies um, in, in it's called uh, determinate growth and indeterminate growth. Determinate growth means there's, there's only a certain number of, of molts they'll they'll have before they before they'll die so they'll molt through to a maximum size and then they'll just get they won't molt anymore they'll get crusted over with barnacles and things will start growing on them and then eventually they'll just um, pass away but then it we think that well we know that others just keep molting um, and have no terminal you know, no physical count of how many molts they're going to do. They obviously age and will get, will die eventually of old age, but potentially the maximum size is a, bit, a little bit unpredictable. And it's usually in the colder waters um, where the, they tend to live longer because they slow, grow slower and, and, uh, and live longer. So you've got crabs living in cold parts of the sea. You've got crabs living in the rainforest. How have they managed to occupy all these different niches? And is there anywhere where they can't survive? Well, that, that's that's the beauty of being a crab. That's that's why they've that's having that crab shape has allowed them to to be really elastic or plastic in in their in their in their in their shape in their legs. They can get long legs, short legs. They've just been able to really explode into every niche that that's available because they've sort of got that flexibility and they're living on the bottom. So as coral reefs grew and, and got more complex, um, they, they, they would take up new niches in that. There's a whole swag of crabs that are specialist in, like you mentioned earlier, in, in symbiotic relationships with... Uh, like pea crabs with 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 bivalve muscle muscles and other ones that form little galls in 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 coral and other ones that live inside the bottoms of sea cucumbers and you know wherever there's a space and an opportunity they seem to be able to to grab it so even I mean there there's the greatest diversity is is in the seawater but even as much as 100 million years ago, they invaded freshwater, went up through the estuaries into freshwater, and then uh, from there they conquered the intertidal, were able to, physiologically able to adapt to the range of temperatures and 
and being exposed and and not having water over them all the time and and then into terrestrial environments so that almost all crabs still have to come back to this to to the sea though to um, to to release their larvae and release their eggs not all but there's, there's, there's a few families of true freshwater crabs that that uh, have that larval development occurs directly within the egg under the abdomen and uh, and they hatch as as baby crabs and that's because in fresh water they can't afford to to let their uh, they need to stay stay where the fresh water is they can't let it get washed away so uh, so yeah they've they've once they once they managed to breathe air physiologically they they meant they could go up into the rainforests and up mountains and I think the only place they probably struggle with is 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 ice. There's this there's this, there's an Australian desert crab that lives in in the desert. It can estivate with a little clutch of babies under its abdomen for up to six, seven, eight years before it rains. The rain comes down and it goes, hey, pops up, and suddenly there's eggs, baby crabs running everywhere and. And they grow very quickly to take advantage of the of the the rain period, and then they then they they dig down and they're gone again. So, what sort of threats are crabs experiencing at the moment? Well, pretty much the same as as everything: um, global warming and uh, issues with ocean acidification. And uh, we often talk about coral reefs as as just being about coral. You know, we're going to lose the coral, but we're not just going to lose the coral. We're going to lose huge communities of of um, invertebrates and crabs and fish and everything that it, that is associated with with coral reefs. So there's certainly an issue with that, and potentially with the changes in ocean currents um, from climate change, um, you you'll be having problems with with the way the the larvae circulate and distribute. There's uh, acidification is causing, already been noted as, as causing problems with crab larvae because the larvae are particularly sensitive to uh, chemistry, you know, the pH um, and development and the, the little sensory CD and things on the on that they swim and detect and keep alive with are being damaged by by the water being too acidic yeah there's there's a lot of a lot of potential issues and and certainly with uh, the freshwater crabs true freshwater crabs are very very diverse um, you know, one of the biggest groups changes in climate and rainfall and and desert you know are, are, they're probably under the most immediate threat if if you have periods where they're not adapted, where they where they're where they're expecting a seasonal monsoon and it doesn't come, um, they're potentially um, very vulnerable. And 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 the number of them have been listed on the uh, on the IUCN red list already. So why are crabs so important? Why should people care about this? Well, most people don't care, but uh, but they should. Crabs. Play a, a huge role in 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 the ecology of, of most of marine and, and terrestrial, but perhaps more marine um, and intertidal 
environments. Um, crab larvae, for example, like a single large mud crab, Indo-West Pacific mud crab, commercial mud crab, can can have up to six six to eight million eggs per female. So, and there's a lot of a lot of them, and they're pumping all these these larvae into the phytoplankton. And the phytoplankton is where all the fish larvae are, and and uh, just 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 from that perspective, they're driving a whole um, ocean ecosystem, or, or at least playing a, a significant role in uh, in driving marine food webs. And then if you go into specifics, there 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 can be keystone species in in a number of different environments in in mangrove habitats. They the burrowing down into the mud brings fresh seawater down into the base of the mangrove roots, and and they eat you know up to eighty percent of the mangrove leaf fall and and turn that into into organic detritus and and substances that that are then available to the other invertebrates and the worms and and so and then on to the to the prawns and the fish in the nursery areas that that mangroves provide so they're soldier crabs that that live on the east coast of australia hundreds of thousands of them come out each tide and and sift the sand through their mouth parts and get all the little organic matter out to eat um so they can turn over the surface of the of a beach um every few days um so there's just so many ways, and again, um, on on coral reefs, there's a whole suite of of crabs that 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 scrape away algae. You know, there's been a lot of studies done on fish that uh, keep the algae from smothering the coral, but the crabs are potentially playing is just as an important role in um, in stopping the algae from growing and smothering coral. So. You know, wherever you look, crabs are playing a role, but very much underestimated. Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Genius. That was crab expert Peter Davey. To hear him tell me even more about crabs and some of the planet's weirdest crab species, head over to the Instant Genius Extra podcast now. The latest issue of BBC Science Focus magazine is out now. Pick up a copy in store or visit sciencefocus.com. 